Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Looking back on so many episodes, it's amazing to me what we really haven't covered. And it's been a really long time since we've talked to anybody with a recruiter moniker. But our guest today is so much more than that because she actually technically is a breakup specialist because I think a lot of recruiters really are going after people maybe in wirehouses, but there's a lot of very fertile ground because the world of the RIA is really where most of you are going. And most of you who are listening to this really want to have the freedom of what you have within an RIA, especially when it comes to marketing and I don't know, branding and personality and all of that stuff. So Alana Phillips is our guest today. She is a breakup specialist. And today we are going to dive into the things that you should know if you're really looking looking at breaking up with your broker dealer. Alana, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Matt. Yeah, I'm excited to ask you questions because, and again, I, I want everybody knows this isn't gotcha journalism, but one of the biggest issues, I'm, I'm just going to come right out with it right out of the gate, is what is promised isn't delivered, right? Or at least iterations of the promise. So I, Alana, if you don't mind, I'm going to clear the air on that a little bit. I think unrealistic expectations have been set by different people who fall into kind of what you do. But again, I really also want to separate you from just the standard recruiter, because I wouldn't have you on the show if you were just a regular run-of-the-mill recruiter. So help, help us understand how to manage those expectations and really what the reality is when you break up. Yeah, I appreciate the separation there because I never wanted to be a recruiter. I think recruiters are terrible. So <laughs> I think it is important to have some separation there. The good thing for me in that, Matt, is because most recruiters are not that great. I don't have to be that amazing to clear that bar. So in terms of expectations, you mean when an advisor decides that they're ready to leave and the new firm that they're going to or the new team that they're going to is promising them things. Oh, man. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. How do they manage those expectations? Because obviously the person who is recruiting them wants them, and there's all sorts of incentives for that. Um, how do you help set expectations and make sure that what is being said is more delivered than not? Yeah, I think this is a great question. And I think in any breakup and getting into any new relationship, one, there's baggage, right? So we always have these things that we're carrying with us that we're afraid somebody is going to do to us again. So that happens. I always feel like talking about that is important to recognize that you've got some PTSD or some trauma from this past relationship that they didn't celebrate you, they controlled you, they whatever, right? And you're going into a new relationship. Don't bring that head trash with you as much as possible, right? Because it's easy if you are somebody who was in a very rigid firm and you go into a team that has a lot of structure, it feels similar to rigidity and it's easy to recoil from that. So I watch advisors do that for sure. So that's one piece of it is just their own portion. The other piece is I think a lot of advisors, when they decide that they're ready to break up, 
they've waited so long from when they made that decision to when they actually leave that they are anxious to get out, right? And then something pisses us off at our previous firm and we pick up the phone and we call the recruiter that we've been ignoring for months and we're ready to leave immediately, right? And we skip over some of the dating and due diligence that should happen with wherever it is that you're going to, right? So you don't get that real time to get to know someone and figure out if your values are aligned, figure out if they're the real deal, figure out if they can do the things that they've promised you. And probably the last part of that would be, I do think it's helpful to have a dating coach or a tour guide through that process. That's one of the things I bring to the table is I've vetted a lot of these teams. I've sat and grilled them. I've been through a recruiting process with them. I likely have folks who have joined them. So I know what that experience is going to be like. And there are folks that I trust are going to take care of my clients, my advisors that I'm working with. Because I generally feel, and I express this to the teams I work with, like when I bring an advisor to their team, I feel like I don't have any children. So this is probably a bad analogy, but I feel like I'm bringing my kindergartner to kindergarten and dropping them off. And I expect that you're going to take care of them the way that I would take care of them. So the last part of that would be having a helpful tour guide. One of the other reasons why we wanted, not only just because of your expertise in this and, and how important it is, because I think that wirehouses and broker dealers specifically are going to fundamentally have to change how they're doing things in order to compete in what we refer to as the expertise economy. And and you create a lot of content. People have the, they get to feel the Alana-ness, right? So how do you balance all of the work that you have to do and also executing social media. I know this might seem like I'm doing a gear switch, but just trust in the process. Here's the I'm heading somewhere with this, but you do create engaging content. How do you find and where do you get the ideas for that content? How do you manage that? Because we hear that from advisors all the time or people who provide services to advisors. Matt, I just don't have the time. You are busy. How do you do it? It's one of those things. I do think it takes some work on the front end, right? There was a very clear intentionality in the brand, right? Break up with your broker dealer being something that's funny. We've all been through a breakup. We all understand we're better off on the other side. And knowing who my audience is, I have a lot of financial advisors that are very good personal friends of mine. And I talk to them. So I know the things that are causing them trouble. And we think about your marketing expert, right? That ideal client, and being in their head and understanding what's happening that's keeping them up at night, that's their hopes or dreams, what their day looks like, all those things. I spent a lot of time in my nine years or however long it's been in this industry, sitting in on client meetings and shadowing advisors and observing some of that day-to-day stuff that happens. So I can, I feel like I can put myself in their shoes And then the second piece of that is once you are a content creator, I think your antennas are always up. You're always looking for stuff that's happening in your day-to-day, questions that your clients are asking you, things that they're coming up against that are troublesome, funny stuff for me, right? I always pick out those little lines that advisors might say to me or the ones that send me stuff along the theme, hey, I'm thinking about a breakup. And that stuff... On Monday morning, I sit down and I look at my calendar from the previous week, and I just write down all the stories of conversations that I had. 
And then those go into a different funnel, then they get formatted so that they're actually postable and readable as opposed to the gibberish that I put down. But I think it, it really is taking the real life stuff that is happening, sharing those stories, sharing the questions, sharing the ideas that are helping advisors that I'm working with. And so it is time consuming, Matt, but it really is once you work it into your schedule, you're always thinking about those opportunities for content and it it gets easier as you continue to do it. You fell into my trap there, which is exactly what I was hoping (laughs) for, right? A couple of different things that really popped up. Number one, it's all about the planning on the front end. And I know that you do that for advisors who are breaking up. That was really the sneaky little component of what I was trying to get out there because the planning component of all of this is so unbelievably important. Yes, the final straw happens. The advisor's, I'm done. She wants to leave. I'm out. You know, Now that can happen within relationships, but in this world of relationships, the planning component is even better. And then the second trap you welcomely walked into, which is, this is why we wanted you on the show, because the content that you create is very real. It's very story-based. Advisors see themselves in what you're talking about so that when they do want to have this breakup, you are the go-to person. So Alana, all the time we hear, we talk about moving people from skeptics to fans. And as we were joking be- beforehand, before we hit record, I was joking with you about the fact that I'm sure that there's a lot more advisors who would like to publicly follow you who aren't going to do that uh, because the broker dealers or organizations know who you are. And if you're getting emails from Alana, oh, something's going on. So you have really successfully been able to build a group of fans, people who really like, know, and trust you, who are going to share your content also probably not publicly, but privately in order for them to make the switch. All right. So I just wanted to highlight the reason why I asked you that question, which was entirely fabricated on my part and well done. Well done. You definitely covered all of the wonderful things that I was hoping you could could cover. Okay. What are the things that you have found that advisors really need to do to prepare for a breakup. Now for me, when uh, now I've been married for 25 years, so it's been quite a while for a breakup for me, but I had my Sinead O'Connor uh, cassette tape. So it shows you how old I am uh, on the ready so that when I broke up, it was literally playing on loop until I burned it out. Now that's not applicable necessarily for advisors, even though nothing compares to you as a great album. Um, what do you help advisors? How do you help them prepare for such a huge transition professionally? Sidebar before I answer that, I have played around with, and I actually started it and have dropped the idea altogether, but maybe you're inspiring me. I made a breakup playlist. (laughs) And I have thought about Matt, like sharing this with advisors when they actually go through it, that just all the sad songs about breakups or Carrie Underwood hit the car with the baseball bat. Like, I haven't done it, but maybe you're inspiring me. I should you know, share. Sister, if that's the one thing that you pull from this podcast, that will make me very happy. But all right, so let's break this down. Yeah. So in terms of preparation, I think that in relationships too, this is the same. So this is where the metaphor carries through. You're in a relationship. Things might be going fine, right? Day to day, you're just getting through, going through the motions. And then there are those little signs that maybe the relationship doesn't have the future that you thought it did. Sometimes they're big, bad signs. Sometimes they're really subtle little signs, right? But noticing those signs and acknowledging that there might be a problem is important. 
And this is where, again, same with relationships. Maybe you have conversations with your firm about these things, right? I can't brand the way I want. I can't post on social media. I don't have access to products I need, whatever, right? Those things are, are rampant. After those conversations, maybe when you have identified, there's really not a future here. I can't do the things I want to do. We're not aligned anymore. Then it is important to start to think about how you position your practice to be more portable. And that could be looking at, do you have mostly proprietary products? Do you have strong relationships with your clients? Do you think that they would contact you? Are you their trusted advisor if you did go somewhere else? Do you have enough assets or revenue production to be able to pivot to a place where you are not tied to your same firm? Do you want to do some things that you can't do? Is Again, they're marketing or branding things that you can't do. Are there business opportunities that you're missing out on that you want to be able to participate in? And mapping those things out, I think, is really important. So at the point that somebody's done some ideation there, what's the dream scenario? That's always where I start with folks. What do you want this to look like? Whether or not we can accomplish that, put it out there, and probably we can get the 10, 7 out of 10 of those things. You put the dreams down. Then we talk about the things that you could do between now and when you might leave like moving away from prop business, making sure you're connected to all your clients on LinkedIn, like making sure they have your cell phone, little things like that that are ultimately going to help them find you, help solidify a relationship maybe by doing some additional client touch points in the next year. All of those things are going to contribute to preparing for that breakup. Then we have determining if you're ready to go, which is a big emotional decision, and then deciding when, where, and how should you go. So those are the steps, right? We're noticing the signs. We're going to dream about what's possible. Then we're going to take some actions that might actually literally prepare our practice to be able to move. And then we've got to figure out in the due diligence process when, where, and how to go. There's a couple of things that you touched on that that I don't know if our listeners truly understand. So one, moving away from proprietary products, if you can do that really does make a substantial amount because that would make the transition very difficult. But non-compete, non-solicitations now, this is something that I know that you have a lot of experience in. The simple fact that a lot of advisors want to connect with their clients on social media, but then there's that non-compete, non-solicitation. How do you help advisors get past that? that. For instance, I have even heard, now there are some organizations that are more litigious than others, and I'm sure you know them way better than I do. Even announcing that you're moving firms is considered a solicitation. So Alana, how do we manage that? Yeah. And I am not an attorney here, so I'll always put that disclaimer in there. I can only speak on what I have seen or heard attorneys say to folks. So there's a bunch of factors in here, right? We've got Firms that are litigious or not, we have firms that actually are protocol, non-protocol, have non-competes or non-solicits, right? Then we have states, the way that a state acknowledges some of those things, right? State of California, where I'm in, for the most part, there's a pretty strong precedent set that non-competes and non-solicits are not enforceable. 
if they don't have a time frame on them, which a lot of these contracts don't, then no one's enforcing some forever non-solicit, non-compete versus if you have something that says three months, two years, whatever it is. So there's a lot of variation in that. And we always, anybody that I work with is talking to an attorney. The attorney is going to review the contract and determine risks, determine what they think they can or can't do, determine what they think they can or can't say. And there are a lot of options, right? It could be an announcement, like you said, for some attorneys, again, depending on the state contract firm that we're dealing with, are totally fine, even with some non-computer, non-solicit language with an announcement happening, right? I have had advisors who are CFPs. And that adds an additional layer of their fiduciary duty. And attorneys have felt like that's ammo to say as a CFP, I have to let my clients know where I'm going. I have to make that announcement. So that's been not to plug the CFP, but CFP board and American College aren't going to be upset about that. I'm sure that is something that that takes things up a notch in terms of that transition for an advisor. I think outside of that, tombstone mailers can be an answer sometimes where you just send out an advertisement to a generic zip code that you might know that your clients are in. LinkedIn, social media stuff. Again, I think most attorneys, most states are having a tough time believing that anyone's going to enforce you not being able to advertise your services. And again, there are certainly times, states, contracts that are restrictive where we have seen those things enforced, but there's a lot of wind at the back of advisors that are leaving right now in terms of how those things are being treated at the state level. Yeah. And this is a a big boon time. I know for you, I know that you're very busy, which is wonderful because they're just the Again, things are fundamentally changing and the older organizations, and I'm going to say older, are the ones who are not really keeping up the times. What are the biggest reasons that you see that advisors are, are really ready to break up with their broker dealer? Yeah, it's interesting. I wish I had the really data up in front of me, but the mass exodus from a lot of the wirehouse traditional sort of places that advisors have been at, started their careers at, there is a mass exit towards more independent models. And I think the pandemic had a big factor to play there, just in terms of advisors realizing they could work from home, realizing that they can meet with clients on Zoom, offices became less important, branches and banks became less important, and big mindset shift there for all of us, obviously. But I think the, I forgot the question, Matt. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No. What are the biggest reasons, reasons. why people are leaving those facilities or those organizations? Yeah. So the biggest reasons outside of those factors that have probably shaped mindset going forward, I think is the wirehouses. This is a funny marketing thing that I'm in right now. The wirehouses were the cool place to be, right? There was a status associated with being a wirehouse advisor. And this is one of the reasons that we make a lot of decisions as status. If you go into any of the like marketing psychology literature. And so that status has changed. The status is now with flexibility, autonomy, ownership, control, and the reward that comes with those things. And those things are in independent broker dealers and RIA structures now. So just like to get into the psychology there, I think that's a big factor. Other piece of it, those firms certainly have doubled down 
in a lot of ways on their control. They've doubled down in preventing things in what feels more like a scarcity mindset. And we again, this is breakup relationship 101. When you try to control somebody, typically what they do is they resist that, right? So again, there's the factors are technology's not as good. They don't have access to the products and services they need. They want to advertise. They want to brand in ways that they're not allowed to do. The ease of doing business is not easy. They're struggling to get stuff through for clients in a way that that makes sense time-wise. All those are the stuff, but I think that the mindset and the psychology behind it is ultimately what's influencing it. All right. So what are some of the biggest pitfalls that you see within the breakup that you specifically or a really good breakup artist can help you manage? I had an advisor, there's a bunch of stuff here, Matt, but I had an advisor recently who someone introduced to me because he was going somewhere that he was going to take what he thought was a big check, right? And I won't name firms, but it was a firm that generally I did not think was a fit for him and really wasn't a fit for a lot of established advisors. And I am seeing folks go to this particular place because they're giving larger checks, right? Or this is happening, some of the banks giving large checks, lower payouts, They're just fronting future commissions for anybody that's thinking about that offer right now. He got on the phone with me and he had pretty much made up his mind about where he was going, I felt. And I challenged him, Matt, in a way that I was like, oh man, like this advisor is going to get off the phone with me and tell my friend like Alana's a bossy bulldog or something and is trying to talk me out of a decision I've already made, which is a futile effort. But in that call, we built a spreadsheet together, right, of what the actual economics of this decision meant. It was going to be two years before he was then, for lack of a better description, paying money to be at this firm, right, versus some of the other offers or directions that he could have gone in more independent spaces. And he hadn't done that analysis, This happens all the time. And I understand, again, when you get to the point you're ready to break up, you just want to get out. And it's easy to look at and see a big check's going to solve problems. Money does solve many problems. And you forget to address what's the payout long term? What are the other things I'm signing up for? Is this really where I want to build my practice long term, even if it's the place that's going to give me the most money? And I can tell you so many of the advisors don't do that financial analysis, which is really funny because financial advisors, (laughs) but that's, I think a couple of common pitfalls that I could see is just wanting to get out quick, not doing the due diligence, getting distracted by the shiny big checks, which I'm all for taking a big check to be clear, right? That is absolutely a strategic move in your career and advisors are worth a crazy amount of money to firms right now because of their recurring revenue. But when we don't look at the whole picture of why you are entering this new relationship and making sure that it aligns with those pieces, that's where I see advisors four years, five years later are calling me again, trying to figure out where their next place they should go is. Which unfortunately, and I've talked to many advisors about this too, the bouncing from firm to firm doesn't show the stability that a lot of our clients really want to have within their relationship with financial services. All right. So here's, I'm going to ask you my favorite question that I don't always get to ask, but I'm going to ask you this today, which is what should I have asked you that I didn't? So what should you have asked me that you didn't? 
maybe about why advisors are happy that they make the move, what's on the other side of the relationship. This is, I think, like the big important piece, right? Again, sometimes there's a check. That's always a good thing. Sometimes there's an increase in your monetary benefit, your take-home pay, right? Sometimes there are relationships with teams that you wouldn't have had the opportunity to align with and work with. Sometimes there's new types of clients or new business that you can do that's exciting and fun. But I think about the part of the reason I continue to do this, because for the advisors that are listening, they know they are some of the most challenging people to work with. But I have so many of these stories. And I think about there's a woman who I worked with. I had known her since probably 2016 or 17. We met at a women's event, just good friends. And when she was ready to leave her firm, she thought of me and she called me and she was going to go take a job with an insurance company. She was an advisor at a bank, going to go take a job at an insurance company sitting at a desk. And I challenged her, same thing. I got off the phone and I was like, oh gosh, she's going to walk off this phone call thinking I'm just a bossy bully telling everybody to break up with their broker dealer. And we did some analysis, right? Like her risk tolerance, her risk capacity. What did she really want to do? What was that dream? And she talked about buying a practice and being part of a succession plan because she'd seen that happen in the bank before and it didn't go well. She wanted to write a book. She wanted to have a baby. She wanted to be able to travel with her husband, right? Like just all these things that we talked about. And so the end of that conversation was, I don't think you should take that job. What if you explored going independent? What would that look like, right? And we broke down her business. Where was she going to be able to pull some stuff from? Because she had a pretty restrictive contract. How could she go back to old clients at a previous firm? How could she develop new business? What were those ways she was going to do that? We built that plan together. Um, We ended up finding a woman who was about four years out from retirement. And she moved because of this ability to travel idea that she was open to. She moved to that location and became the successor for this woman. And 2020, she made that leap. What's today's 2023. So she went from, she was making a hundred grand, maybe 150 grand with her bonuses. At the end of next year, she'll be 750,000 to a million dollar producer. Yeah. Yeah. And she had a baby this year, which was just like the most freaking exciting thing in the world. We're getting all the baby pictures right now. She's traveling between Austin and Seattle, these two cities that she's got practices in now. She's making more money than she imagined. She's, I, she thinks that I had something to do with this, Matt, too, which is the coolest part. But like, those are the stories that make me want to keep doing this because I think that's possible. And I think that there's varying degrees of that story with any advisor that I work with, if we go through the process correctly, that they can have a lot of the things that they envisioned wanting to have if we build a good plan around it. All right, Alana, I'm sure that there are lots of people who are listening who don't want you to email them directly, but who probably want to reach out and find out a little bit more about your process, who you are, what you do, and how you can help them. What's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, I've got a lot of good stuff on LinkedIn, Matt. So Alana Phillips, obviously on LinkedIn. My cell phone number is plastered all over the internet. It's on my page. It's my mom's nightmare that just all that information is out there. Strangers call me all the time, but that's probably easiest. I can text. I can take a phone call. I think advisors tend to like the good old fashioned phone call so we can keep our records out of writing for at least the initial part of our exploratory conversations. 
And we can make sure that we have uh, links to all of that stuff and your number in our show notes. Alana, listen, thank you very much for being on the show. This is the future. You are the future, right? Not only from a thought leadership content creation standpoint, but also really helping advisors move to areas that are going to allow them to truly be the advisor that they want to be. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Listen, everybody, here's the skinny. Why are you hamstrung just for what? And you need to ask yourself that question. Why are you where you're at? Is it just because you're terrified of leaving? Is it because you want to not control some of the things that you outsource that control to? Or more importantly, are you okay with still being the best kept secret in your area? Because that's really where a lot of you are. And making a move can really open up those doors, open those eyes, open those ears so that you stop being the best kept secret in your area. You stop talking to people who are skeptical and you really start talking to people who are truly fans of who you are and what you do, much like we are with Alana. Huge fans. And the other thing very quickly is if you want to know how to do any of this yourself, not the whole moving thing because you need to call Alana about that. But if you want to learn how to accelerate your influence, please go to podrocketacademy.com and go ahead and join and you can start figuring out what brand you might want, how you want to position yourself and communicate when you make that move. So for Alana and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. Through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you were meant to be.